What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Blazers lost their first game of the preseason on Tuesday night. I was there. We're going to talk all about it. First segment, I just want to hit you with some observations, what I saw from the game itself. Uh, second segment, we'll discuss, did we learn anything in a fake game where the starters didn't play the second half? Or not all the stars played the second half? Did we learn anything at all? And in segment three, what's next for the Blazers, both in uh, their upcoming next preseason game and also for the exhibition season at large? But let's start with their loss to the Nuggets, what we what I saw in the arena. First of all, it was cool to be in the arena. They played the game at Memorial Coliseum, uh, the old barn next to the Moda Center if you're not a Portland local. Um, it is an old, old, old gym. It is a tiny little old gym, but it was really fun to watch an exhibition game there. Um, it's probably not set up to host a real NBA game, but certainly for something like this, it was fun. Uh, Blazers did some celebrations of their 50th anniversary. They brought guys from the very first, uh, Trailblazers team to the arena. Uh, Bill Shonley, the original voice of the Blazers did, um, spoke to the arena before the game. He hosted a Q and A after the game. Uh, with Jim Barnett. Uh, it was cool. It was a cool little night. And if you're looking for more on that, uh, I recommend checking out the Oregonian's Joe Freeman, who wrote uh, a pretty good little piece kind of summing up what the, that night meant. Uh, I guess the other big thing to mention was that all the Blazers coaching staff came out in 70s regalia, 70s attire. Terry Stotts had a chain on and a plaid jacket and... Um, uh, you know, his his shirt was unbuttoned and he had he had white loafers on. Uh, it was a great look. He's he's done that look a couple times. We haven't really seen the uh, assistants do it, but he had his whole coaching staff rocking the 70s gear. It's a ton of fun. Even uh, Blazers director of player health and performance, Jesse Ellis, Jess Ellis, also rocked a 70s turtleneck throwback look. It was fun. But then there was a game... Um, I just want to give some quick uh, observations. I'm not going to bang on the box score. I'm not even going to look at the box score. I don't know what the score was. I know the Blazers lost. Um, I don't think that's the real takeaway. The takeaway, like I said in the previous podcast, previewing the exhibition season, is sort of more the function of things. How stuff how stuff w works, not how it ends up. Certainly not what the box score um, ends up looking like at the end of these games. I don't think it's particularly useful to consider. So me, the numbers nerd of your dreams, no numbers in this one. My first uh, sort of thought watching this game was that if Kent Bazemore ever makes a jump shot, he's going to be awesome. And even if he doesn't ever make a jump shot, he's going to be a ton of fun. He was flying around the floor. He was all over the place in this game, uh, creating havoc on defense, pushing the pace on offense, just generally flying around and being a dude with long arms. Uh, I was really really good to see. I think one of the knocks on uh, Mo Harkless over the years was that he didn't always play with that force, didn't always play with, um, he didn't always sort of play with that sort of reckless abandon. There were moments when he would get up and play that hard and you'd say, oh man, Mo's so good. But it doesn't seem like Kent Bazemore is going to need uh, much encouraging in that department. Um, and why well, I said if he ever makes a shot, he didn't shoot very well. Blizz as a team didn't shoot very well, but he particularly didn't shoot very well. Uh, he didn't shoot very well all of last season. He was he was right around 30, 32% from three-point range. There's a number, but it's a number from real games, guys. Um, so, you know, you hope that he can sort of bounce back and be a, a league average shooter, a slightly above league average shooter from the outside. But from what I've seen from Kent Bazemore, 
even if he's not a league average shooter, even if his, his outside shot never really comes around, he does enough positive things to be a valuable wing. I think he'll be a really good part of this of this core group, and I think on a lot of nights a really nice compliment playing next to both Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Next observation is that Mario Hazonia, with the ball in his hands, was super fun. Uh, Hazonia, you know, kind of popped last year when he got to play point guard for four games with the Knicks. That was when he was at his best, at least statistically. Um, the Blazers seemed to be ready to turn the ball over to Hazonia a lot as a point forward off the bench. Um, and he's he's really intriguing. Uh, I believe it's what... Danny LaRue calls the Church of Hazonia, but um, I think I'm considering becoming a convert. Dude's, you know, 6'8", 225, and a really good athlete, really fluid with the ball in his hands, uh, really seems seems to relish making flashy passes, like, you know, um, enjoys the highlight pass, certainly. But when he was in the open floor against Denver, he was really good. Um, he wasn't as good in the half court. Uh, I think his lack of shooting ability and uh, sort of his burst is not as what what uh, Neil called his thrust isn't as valuable in the half court. But when he gets out in the open court with the ball in his hands, he can make plays. He can get to the rim. He had a couple dunks, uh, one going coast to coast, one kind of just cutting, um, just running the floor off ball and getting an, and getting an easy reverse dunk. Um, he he can um, he can do a lot of different things. I I. I think they want to use him a lot like they used Evan Turner. Uh, we'll see how that kind of plays out, but I'm really intrigued by what Hazonia brings and really curious about how he fits. Um, next one is just, I don't know if it's, if it's the ankle injury or the newness of his teammates or what, but Hassan Whiteside had a pretty clunky game. Kind of looked awkward on some of his catches and, and finishes in the post. Uh wasn't a really dominant defensive player. Didn't play in the second half at all. They were really limiting his minutes. I believe he played less than less than 15. I think he played less than 13 minutes on the night. Again, I'm not looking at the box score. I refuse to. Um, but he just kind of had a clunky game. I'm not putting too much into it. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm not necessarily a white side believer. But I'm certainly not going to write him off based on that preseason performance. Uh, the, 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 there, just, there wasn't enough there. But he didn't look... In the very little that we saw, you know, two two stretches in the game, he didn't look great. Uh, Damon CJ weren't very good on offense. I have zero concern about that. And the final thing, I guess I'm I'm just patiently waiting for the Anthony Simons breakout game. I kind of have the sense it's coming. You can still see how fluid he is in some of his moves. He's got great touch. He can get to the rim. He can get past people with his, his with his first step and that crossover. Um, but I'm waiting for him to put it all together in one of these preseason games and just like really look like the guy who had 35 in Summer League. Um, I'm waiting for it. I think it's coming, but uh, we haven't seen it yet from Simons. And that was kind of what I was I was hoping we'd get to see when Damian Lord and CJ McCollum did not play in the second half with Simons kind of take over and, and, and be the Blazers, at least for stretches, be the Blazers' best player. He wasn't. That was definitely Bazemore or Hazonia for the most part. In the non-Damon CJ category. All right, second segment I want to talk about. Did we learn anything? Summer League. Or summer league. Preseason is weird. Uh, it's maybe, it's just a hard time to evaluate stuff. But I want, to answer, I want to ask the question and see if I can answer it. Did we learn anything from one game of preseason? Before we get there, though, I want to tell you guys about Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with 
$30 off your purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the code LOCKEDON at checkout. All right, still Mike Richmond, still locked on Blazers. Uh, I gave you my observations from the Blazers' first preseason game, a loss to the Nuggets. Now I want to answer the question that I'm also going to pose. I'm going to pose the question first, then I'll answer it. Do we learn anything from that game? I think the short answer is no, honestly. Like, I, I'm kind of milking this because um, it's preseason and you guys need a podcast episode. The short answer is no. The long answer is, you know, a little bit of stuff. And so here's that little bit of stuff. Uh, no surprise, but the starting group that we've predicted on this, the good people of Lockdown Blazers have predicted all summer long, was the group of starters we saw to begin this game. It will be the starting group. Stotts hasn't confirmed it, but all signs pointed that way, and he didn't throw a wrench into that plan or that prediction uh, in game one of the preseason. Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood at the three, Zach Collins at four, Hassan Whiteside at the five. That was always going to be the group. I know there was some speculation sort of outside of the Portland market that maybe Kent Bazemore would start. I never considered that a possibility. I always thought it was going to be Rodney Hood. The way the Blazers do things, who they give money to first, who they who they commit to first is usually the guy they roll with. In this case, uh, it was sort of Rodney by default. He had already been on the team. Obviously, they traded for Bazemore before they re-signed Rodney, yada, yada, yada. But you know what I mean. Rodney was their guy. He's going to be their guy. Speaking of Rodney Hood, we also got to see him play a little bit of four. We got to see a lineup that I think the Blazers are going to at least try a bunch. And I think it could be their crunch time lineup. Maybe. Maybe. I think it has some flaws, but I think this is a way that you get maybe your best five, your best grouping of five on the floor. And that's Damian Lillard at point guard. CJ McCollum at the two, Kent Bazemore playing three, you slide Rodney Hood up to power forward and you play Hassan Whiteside at the five. Now I think sometimes in crunch time that could be Zach Collins at the five, depending on what depending on what the other team is doing defensively, but we saw that a little bit from Terry Stotts in this game, in the first half. Um, he, Stotts said multiple times, don't read too much into the rotations. Sorry Terry, I'm reading too much into the rotations. I promised you I would, and I'm doing it now. I think that group is intriguing because of the floor spacing, because of the multiple ball handlers, and because theoretically Whiteside is big enough and good enough defensively to kind of make up for whatever whatever that group might lack. The real problem for me is going to be rebounding. Whiteside is going to have to be an absolute glass eater. Uh, I don't I don't know if Rodney Hood is is uh, like a really elite defensive rebounder. He's a big dude, but I don't know if he's like an elite defensive rebounder that can make up um, for his relative lack of size compared to most NBA power forwards. But that's an intriguing group, one I think we'll see a lot of during the regular season, one that I had anticipated seeing and we got to see right away in, in preseason. Uh, maybe that's only meaningful to me, but it's did we learn something? We learned that one grouping might work. The other thing we learned is that Anthony Simons played almost exclusively off the ball except for a very little bit to start the third quarter. Now, that's interesting to me because I think a lot of people pegged him as the quote-unquote backup point guard, but I don't think that's what he is. I think he's the backup guard, and they will figure out other answers to who plays backup quote-unquote point guard. Now, Anthony Simons brought the ball up the floor a couple times. It certainly happened a couple times. He initiated the offense some, but not not regularly. He certainly um, played almost exclusively off the ball in this game. Hazonia, like I said, they put the ball in his hands, let him play point forward. Baysmore handled the ball a little bit. 
they just never really turned the whole keys over to Anthony Simons. I think that's something we'll see during the regular season. I anticipate CJ McCollum playing a lot with that second unit, which probably means Simon spends more and more time off the ball. That's fine. It doesn't really matter if he's the point guard, but it, I guess it is an interesting distinction that he's more backup scoring guard. He's that scoring ace, um, or at least he's just not the initiator. He's, he's a guy who plays off the ball. I, I think we saw... A bunch of that, particularly just how much they let Hazonia bring the ball up, how much they, they let him be the guy who initiates the offense, gets them into things. Uh, that might just be to give give teams a different look. You know, having a point running running a point forward up there maybe forces teams to defend a little bit differently, maybe brings a power forward further away from the rim and in places maybe if they're not comfortable at least or if they're comfortable at least uh, unorthodox to some extent uh, to begin most plays. But I thought it was interesting that Simons played almost exclusively off the ball. The other thing we learned is that Terry Stotts wants to at least see Zach play next to Scalabissier. He mentioned in the postgame that he he wanted to see that pairing and he got to see that pairing. What that says to me is they are not 100% sure that Pal Gasol is going to be ready. And if he's not ready, they want to see if Zach and Scal can coexist together on the court. They were fine. I'm not reading too much into whatever happened on the court, but I think it's important that uh, Terry mentioned that. Uh, it also meant that Zach played almost entirely power forward not a huge surprise the Blazers don't have a ton of other power forward options like I said it's um, Hazonia as a point forward Anthony Tolliver or undersized Rodney Hood Zach is the guy who's going to soak up most of those minutes but it was interesting to me that he he played almost exclusively power forward in this one the other thing is I was really curious to see if uh, Damian Lillard would play off the ball a bunch more in this uh, in this game you know, we didn't really see him much. Him and CJ both played exactly 15 minutes in the first half and then sat for the whole second half. So we didn't, we didn't, and I, I believe they played every single minute together. So we didn't get to see those, um, we didn't get to see sort of a bunch of minutes where there's mix and match lineups and it's not Dame and CJ together and whatever, whatever, because the way they defer to each other is very different than if Dame is deferring to say Mario Hazonia. That's more telling in my mind. But uh, what we did see is five different players grab and go off the, off the defensive glass. And what, a, what I'm calling a grab-and-go is when you just grab a defensive rebound and turn and head up court, and you are the one who dribbles and goes. Hazonia did it a bunch. Bazemore did it once, once really effectively, where he just burst down the left side of the floor, ended up drawing a foul. Anthony Simons did it once. Damon CJ both did it a couple times. Um, I think this is important because Damon Lord has talked about playing off the ball a bunch, but he hasn't ever really... Like, He's he's done it a bunch this preseason, but he's done it in other in other exhibition seasons and other in other training camps where he's talked about a chance to play off the ball more. He hasn't always been comfortable doing it. He's okay deferring to CJ McCollum. He's not necessarily okay deferring to others. Um, that's fine. I've said this before. Damian Lillard is one of the ten best players in the league. Him having the ball in his hands is cool. But I think uh, if the Blazers had more stuff where Dame came off the ball or started off the ball, it would just add a wrinkle to their offense that makes him a little harder to defend. Uh, Having five guys, five different dudes who can grab and go gives a little variety to the Blazers, allows them to play better up-tempo. Um, they're better. They're not a good fast-break team, mostly because they just don't force a ton of turnovers and run off turnovers and stuff, but they're good in the open floor. Like, if they get out with this group, I think they can be good in the open floor, I should say. So having more guys that can get out and run, let Dame be off the ball and sort of cause havoc, havoc that way as teams have to find him in the open floor while also accounting for the ball coming at them at full speed, I think it's interesting. Blazers, like I said, I don't know if we learned anything, guys. I think we saw some things, like I said, I think we saw some matchups, we saw some 
we saw some lineup decisions. We saw little skill sets come out that suggest what could come. But this wasn't a real game. The Blazers looked like a team playing their first exhibition game. Um, it, it wasn't a pretty one. They didn't shoot the ball well all night. And when Damon Seager were off the floor, they didn't look good. So I don't know if we learned anything, but we definitely saw some stuff. And we'll get to be able to build on the things that I just mentioned as the exhibition season goes forward. What I want to talk about in the third segment is what's next. Blazers play Maccabi Haifa, a Israeli team, on Thursday evening. I want to talk about that game a little bit. And then I want to talk about sort of the rest of the preseason at large and what to expect from the Blazers. Stick with me. All right, still locked on Blazers. Still Mike Richmond. Still pass first point guard. We talked observations from the first preseason game. We talked about things we may have learned or things we may have um, gotten our first glimpse of that we can learn more about in the future. And now it's time to talk about what's next. Talk about that future. Blazers play Maccabi Haifa on Thursday. I don't think, judging by uh, what Terry Stott said, that we will see Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum, and I wouldn't be surprised if Hassan Whiteside also sits this one out. Uh, Terry was somewhat coy about what he would do with his lineups. That is just his nature. I don't know why he's like that necessarily, but he ain't gonna, he is very resistant to share with the media, and thus the world, his plans with lineup decisions before they happen. So he said he, he he said prior to the preseason games even starting that he thought that this Haifa game would be the one where he let the young guys play a bunch more. I'd already mentioned that in a previous podcast, but he reiterated that day that today to the media who was at practice, telling them basically that uh, some of the maybe some of the vets would get the day off. To me, that means that you rest Damon CJ. It also probably means you rest us on Whiteside, and I say Whiteside um, not because he's uh, ancient you know he's 30 <laughs> uh but because he's, he's dealing with that ankle injury and they were already cautious with his minutes in game one so it would make sense that he wouldn't play much in uh in this one and in addition they play again on saturday night they have a they they're at home they don't have to travel they can they can give guys an extra day off though um or an extra night off of 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 sort of of action and they'll get back and can play right away on on saturday they don't have to wait around uh, for their next chance to play. So I, I expect that at least, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those dudes don't play a single minute. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Rodney Hood and Kent Bazemore also played limited minutes. Um, but we'll see. The Blazers have, you know, 16 players on the roster. Uh, they'll have a chance to let those guys, the back half of the roster, play. Everybody played against Denver, but some of the end of the Blazers bench, the training camp guys, um, only played in the fourth quarter at the very end of the last four and a half minutes of the game. The Blazers don't have, there's no roster battle really happening. Like, I, I guess there's a battle for that backup forward spot, although I assume just from watching that Mario Hazonia will eventually overtake Anthony Tolliver, or they will play five, they will play 10 guys. They'll go 10 deep and Hazonia will spend some time at small forward. But there's not really another, like, there's no other, they're not really playing time up for grabs necessarily. I don't think Gary Trent Jr. can do much to jump into the rotation. You know, he can keep himself in the running, but uh, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden leapfrog Simons or Kent Bazemore off the bench. 
Nazir Little's not going to leapfrog anyone and get into the and get into the playing rotation. Uh, you know, Scal is going to play if he's if if Pau Gasol isn't healthy, and if Pau Gasol's healthy, I don't think Scalabissier is going to leapfrog him to begin the season. There's no there's playing the end of the bench in this particular game isn't going to give some sort of insight into uh, into playing time. Those decisions are all but made. Also, the Blazers are only going to carry 14 dudes into the regular season. So there is no, no one's battling for the 15th roster spot in camp. This game really lacks some pizzazz because, lacks some pop, because the end of the bench guys really aren't, I mean, they're playing for their professional futures, certainly, but they're not playing for their professional futures necessarily with the Blazers. I guess in theory, the Blazers could give one of these guys a two-way contract, so there's that. But I don't know if there's much inclination for the Blazers to go ahead and hand that out now. They've usually, if you're just looking at their track record, uh, taken chances on former lottery picks. That's more their move than uh, some some like second rounders, Jalen Horde aside. The other thing, and I promise I'd ask Terry Stotts about this, and he was somewhat forthcoming but still a little bit resistant, as is his nature. But he says... The even game against Hyfe is going to rest people. Game against Phoenix, I don't think we're going to see. Um, he was pretty clear we're going to. He's going to play a bunch of guys in that game. That's going to be another you know 15, 16 dudes off the bench in that game. But he did mention that he would if he's more inclined this preseason than in past years to do a real dry run, to do a real straight up dress rehearsal. And while he was a little bit resistant about when that would happen, we're not stupid. If you're listening to this podcast, you can look at the schedule. It's not going to happen against Denver in the final preseason game. First of all, coaches across the league rarely do anything real in that last preseason game. You know, some do maybe with younger teams that just need to play together, whatever, whatever, but not a team like the Blazers that has fancies themselves a championship-type team. They're just not going to waste... um, They're not going to risk anything in that final preseason game. They, they They want to get through healthy. That's important to them. In addition, they play the Nuggets in the last preseason game and then they play them in game one. They're not going to treat that game like a dress rehearsal. That's insane. The guy who won't tell you who's going to play in the preseason is not going to give up the secrets in a preseason game. So it sounds like the dress rehearsal game is going to come Tuesday against the Utah Jazz. Now, I don't know if this will be a full dress rehearsal, but I would imagine we could see three, maybe a little more than three quarters of real regular season type rotations, regular season type minutes, pushing Dame and CJ up towards that 30 minute mark, pushing Hassan Whiteside above 20 minutes if he's ready to go and kind of subbing at least the first three quarters like he would during the regular season. I think it's going to happen against Utah on Tuesday. Terry was really coy about it, but he sort of hinted that it's going to happen. So I think when we'll really learn more about this team is next week in Salt Lake City. We're going to see a little bit from the end of the bench. We're going to see a little bit more on Saturday night as this team kind of um, continues to work out the the kinks of being a new group just learning to play together. But I think when we really learn something is next week against Utah Jazz. Blazers shift from Memorial Coliseum to the Moda Center. Your first time to see them at the Moda Center this season is Thursday night. Then again on Saturday, I will be at both those games. I will have podcasts, certainly after the Haifa game, and then uh, next week following the Suns game recapping what we saw there, talking about the Blazers news. The season is upon us, so do me a favor. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. Tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. I really appreciate you guys listening, and I'll talk to you real soon.